Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. What man did, and, and, and the Israelites did, was, was make this a, a, I'm living better than you are, according to the law. Instead of, instead of it having a global effect on the, on the nation of Israel to say, we need God to live like this. The law was intended, as we see, and as he points out in this passage, to draw us to him, to help us to, to, to reveal to our heart and to our mind, I can't do this myself. I can't make it on my own. I need God to live. I need God to function. I need God to make this work because these rules are just too hard to follow. Apart from him, I don't have the wherewithal to do that. But instead of our and mankind seeing that at the time, what happened was we started creating this hierarchy of lifestyle, and 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 the priests and and the and the elders and the we started creating these these tiers of, of of legality where my life is better than yours because I keep the law more than you do, and your life is worse than mine because I see reflections of disobedience in relation to the law as it stacks up against me. We do that today. We do the same things today with 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 church attendance, with, with, with our, our vocabulary, with, 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 we do the same thing with songs. We do the same thing today in, in, in creating this hierarchy. We don't do it intentionally. Most of us don't. But we create this hierarchy of, I've been in church longer than you. I know more Bible than you. I, I've, I can say the verses. I can sing the songs. We, we create this hierarchy, as I say, I, I believe, albeit unintentional. But we create this hierarchy in our minds that I'm okay compared to him. I'm pretty good compared to her. And there's never, this, there's never this standard of looking at the Word of God and saying, without grace, we're all toast. Each of us are toast. We, don't, we can't make it. We can't function here on our own. And so he's saying here that regardless of the depth of your sin or your self-righteousness, grace is proportional to that. It's proportional to your sin. It's proportional to how good you think you are. And grace has a way of revealing to us both of those things. Um, from the cross forward, though, we, we looked at this idea of the law, but from the, from the, from the cross forward, grace and, and, and subs- subsequently or, or, or consequently forgiveness helps reveal our lostness and draws us to God. There is, um, I've, I've, I've shared a little bit of this story with you before, but uh, this, is, this is really going to date me here because this goes back to the, to the 60s. There was a movie out in the 60s called The Cross and the Switchblade. Um, David Wilkerson and, and Nikki Cruz, the cross, I mean, the movie was primarily about their relationship. But long, Nikki is a gang member, ends up coming to Christ and all. But the long, the long story short of that movie is he was overwhelmed. Nikki was overwhelmed by the grace of God. A rebellious, had killed people, you know, for money. Uh, he, but what, what brought him to Jesus, it was the overwhelming knowledge of the grace of God in his life, that he was forgiven, that he understood where sin increased, Grace increased more. Where sin increased, grace increased. But I've done, yeah, I know. But I've done, yeah, that too. But you don't know what, yeah, grace is big enough for that too. And he caught a, he caught a glimpse of that. And, and I, I'm convinced that when we do as believers, or as lost folks, when we catch a glimpse of God's grace, it can do nothing but draw us to the cross. Nothing but draw us to Jesus. Why? Because we are undeserving and we realize that. Um, the, more, the more grace is revealed in our life, the more we realize I can't do this. I just can't do this apart from grace. Now, 
The enemy, however, <clears throat> the antithesis of grace, both in life and in the Scripture, is guilt. And that's exactly the way the enemy works. So if he can keep fingers on us, buttons pushed in our life to say, you know what? Yeah, grace is big, but it's not big enough for that. Grace is big, but it's not big enough for divorce. Grace is big, but it's not big enough for addiction. Grace is big, but it's not big enough for you, you, you name whatever it is. It's not big enough for that. And so the, the, he, he, as I say, he always works incrementally. It's never slapping us in the face. So, you know, you, you, you stink. But we end up stinking after years of, of believing the lie and believing these things that smell like smoke that are straight from hell he, that he points in our lives and say, you know what? Grace isn't big enough for that. Your God, isn't, your God won't forgive that. I mean, he loves you and all, but that's still hanging out there. That's a big matzo ball hanging out there. And so as, as, we, as we see our life unfold, we, we get accustomed to this incremental guilt that he brings in to say, you know what? You're doing okay, but except for that. And, and there's no way to clean that up. I mean, you're going to carry that with you the rest of your life. Unbeknownst to us that the very tool that he uses is, un, is unbiblical and unscriptural, as I've shared with you before. If there is guilt in your life, it never came from the Lord, ever, ever about anything. If there's guilt in your life, it never, ever comes from God. Why? Because the enemy teaches us that the, that, the, that the manifestation of guilt is from the enemy himself. Describes him as the father, the originator, the master of every lie. What is the lie told to us? That's not good enough. That's not going to work. That's not forgivable. This is not grace worthy. And over and over and over again, we believe incrementally those lies to where we end up with a marginal faith thinking this is as good as it's ever going to get. Why? Because I can't get over the guilt of that, of this, of the other thing, of him, of her, of this disobedience, of that loss, of that. And we carry the guilt, and, and I'm going to tell you this, according to this verse, according to this passage really, grace trumps guilt every time. If we will allow it to, if, and that's a big if, if we will allow it to in our mind and in our heart, Grace trumps guilt every time. The sad thing is, is the enemy has such a foothold sometimes in our life, and he knows the buttons to push with us. He knows whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental. He knows where our weaknesses and where our vulnerabilities are, and he attacks that in, in, in the secrecy of a moment, in the secrecy of a, of a prayer, in the secrecy of, of time spent alone, oftentimes alone. He'll say, you know what, this is, you know, you're a pretty good person and all, but you just need to keep your mouth shut as it applies to that or this. You've got nothing of value to say to anybody about God. Yeah, he's forgiven you. He loves you, but you, you, there's really nothing. There's nothing testimony worthy about you. Nothing. And so over time, we start to believe that lie to where at the end of the day, we, we're looking like more guilt than grace. And that's exactly the way he works. Grace is designed to restore, to bring about fellowship that he has once severed and broken because of guilt. Grace trumps guilt every time. It's always proportional. Thirdly, <clears throat> this supply of grace is not only life-giving and proportional, it's to have a place of authority. That's what he speaks to in verse 21. Grace is to have a place and a position of authority. Look at what he says there. So that <clears throat> just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might, look at this phrase, reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So that grace might reign through righteousness. That grace might have a place of authority. How? By righteousness. What is that? Right living. That grace might have a place of authority in our lives by right living. How do we know how to live right? Based on what the Word of God says. That grace might reign. Right living 
looks like this. Or, well, right living doesn't look like this. Uh, most of the time, right living, we, we, we especially churched people, people who are in church, people who are trying to walk with God. Right living to them looks like pointing out the wrong in the world, pointing out the wrong in others. Why? Because we look right when we expose wrong. It's just a natural human tendency to do. So what many of us find ourselves guilty of is thinking, well, I'm not the greatest, but I'm not that. I'm not all that either, but I'm not that. And our, our, she needs to, and he needs to, and this world needs to. And yeah, there's probably a lot of truth in that. But right living doesn't get right by pointing out the wrong in others. Right living doesn't make us right by, by, by wronging everyone and everything else. What he's saying in this verse here is for grace to have a position of authority, he's saying that right living for you, righteousness looks like this exponential of grace. That's what right living looks like. It looks like an abundance of grace poured out in your life and from your life to the lives of others. Do we look like that? Is that how you, you would describe yourself? Is that how you would, you would first of all, define right living and, and then describe yourself? Um, what should a lost world find and, and, and be seeing from us? They should be seeing grace, not judgment. Now, judgment's coming. And, and you guys know what a black and white truth teller kind of person I am. I'm too black and white for my own good sometimes, I'll admit. Judgment is coming, but from God, not from you and I. And our world doesn't need to see that from you and I. They're going to see it from him, and you and I will too. Judgment is inevitably coming. It's a truth that, that's as solid as there is in this, in this book, but not from us. Not your job to judge, not my job to judge, not our world to judge. It's his. So what should they see from us apart from judgment? Grace. He says grace here should reign in your life, should have a place of authority in your life through right living. What's right living? Living out this idea of grace. That's what right living is. And he's saying when we do that, it's going to be contagious to, to, to a lost world. And, and why? Because we've all received it. If I started you know, asking for a show of hands, who all can tell a story of, of, of grace being applied to your life? And I'm sure hands will start popping up all over the place. You know why? Because there have been places, probably a number of places in your life where you've realized without grace, I could have never made it through this, through this moment. I could, without, I could have never made it through this season. I, I couldn't have walked through this place. I couldn't have faced this, this issue, this health problem, this difficulty. Grace has shown up in your life and you've received it. That's why it's such a contagious thing to be shared with others because you've lived it. And you can speak to it with authority. Each of us have. Uh, it should have this place of authority in our life. Here's the, here's the greatest news of all this morning. They'll turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And I want you to see one of the most incredible and powerful verses in Scripture um, here in John 1, 16. That brings us to this final supply of grace is unending. The supply of grace is unending. He says in John 1, 16, out of his fullness... We have all received, look at this, grace in place of grace already given. Out of his fullness, we have all, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Um, Gary, shut your ears to this story because this is, this is probably illegal at some level for a fire, fireman to hear. You guys, have, if, you, if you grew up in the city, you probably played, played around in fire hydrants. Or maybe you were not that disobedient. But I played around the fire hydrants in my neighborhood when I was a kid. We'd get a wrench big enough to turn the fire hydrant on and 
And, you know, it let it run out in the street, and especially when it's hot in the summertime. We turned the fire hydrants on. I know you're not supposed to do that, but, hey, we did it anyway. We did a lot of things you're not supposed to do um, until we got home. But we, we'd turn, up the, turn, turn the fire hydrant on, and, you know, the, here the water would come. And, you know, here's something that I noticed, though, in fire hydrants. It's a lot easier to get the hydrant on than it is off. Consequently, usually somebody in the neighborhood would have to call the fire department and say, you know, there's a fire hydrant right down on the street. These kids have been playing in the fire hydrant again. Can't get it turned off. Truck would have to come. We noticed in, in, in the several times, and I won't go into how many times, we noticed in the several times that happened in, in our childhood, the, the fire department would always have to come and get it turned off tight because we'd always, there'd always be this small flow coming. It's harder to turn a hydrant off than it is on. You know why? Pressure. It's the, the, the pressure is wanting it to, be, to, 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 to turn on so that, so that it can be released. When the pressure is wanting it, it's coming against you, turning it off, it's resistance. That's, that's, that's the very idea here in this verse, that the grace behind the grace already given is a greater power, is a greater pressure, is a greater intensity. He's saying you, you've been given grace already, but grace on top of that is coming behind it from an even greater source. What's the source? He says, out of, in this verse, out of his fullness. His fullness is the source of the grace behind having even more power than the grace right now. Than the grace that's to come having even more influence than the grace that you're living and you're experiencing and realizing right now. Out of his fullness, we've received grace in place of grace. New American Standard says, in fact, um, Upon uses uses this word upon here here in in the in the NIV it's in place of it's this idea of a continuously active verb here such that um, to, to quote the New American Standard it, it literally means you have received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace just as I shared in this week's e news you you've been playing with a kid and somebody's going to say infinity just to be the winner at the end that's what grace is like. There's infinity here as applied to this verse. It never ends. It, it's continually flowing. We need more. It's there. We receive more. There's still more behind it. We give them more away. There's still more coming behind that. There is never this unending supply of grace. I mean, it never stops. It never goes away. That's the way he works. Um, this, this grace already given is from a source, his fullness, that's always on. The fire hydrant's never off. It can never be turned off because it comes out of the fullness of, of the Lord Jesus. He says, out of his fullness we've received grace upon grace. It's a power source that's always on. Um, it's like getting in your car. <laughs> I know gas prices are coming down, but, but this is still good news. It's like getting in your car every morning, turn your key on, and the tank being on full. Wait a minute, I, I drove 200 miles yesterday. You get back in the next day, tank's back on full. And you, you, you get back in the next day, you've gone to work in the grocery store, and, and it's still, the needle's still on full. That's exactly the kind of, kind of thing that is, is described here in this verse. We had a, this past week, uh, we had a milk crisis at my house. It's a crisis when we run out of milk, basically, because I drink a lot of milk, and, and I, I have for most of my life. I'm just, a, I'm just a still growing boy, and I love milk. And so I'm just growing in the wrong directions now that, that I used to. But I love milk, and, and so it's a crisis when we run out uh, because, well, I, I made the best of it the other night. We had, uh, we had some beef stew and, and, and cornbread, and, and, you know, best thing of beef stew and cornbread is a glass of milk. The second best thing of beef stew and cornbread is a glass of buttermilk, and we had some buttermilk. 
And so she, Leanne said, you know, hey, we don't have any milk. I said, it's okay, I'm a, I'll deal with buttermilk. And I did one of my dad's deals. He, he used to crumble up cornbread in buttermilk and, and eat it with a spoon. And, you know, so I, that was my dessert, I guess, afterwards. But I made the best of a milk crisis the other night but by, by making, you know, the buttermilk work that we had. But, but there, there should be in us, there should be this, when needed, when, when a void exists of grace, there should be within us a crisis. We should see it that way. God, I need your grace to show up here. I don't have it. I can't make this work. I can't figure this out. I can't forgive the way I need to. I can't live the way I need to. I can't be the model that I, that I need to be. I can't be the mom I need to be apart from that. I can't be the dad. I can't be the boss. I can't be the employee. I can't be the teacher. I can't be the coach. I can't be that apart from your grace. I just can't. That crisis is a revelation that I need to receive and acknowledge God's grace in my life. If the enemy is saying you can't do this, in part, he's right. But the void ought to run us back to grace, not back to guilt. The void ought to help us to see God, help me to realize and receive and live and apply your grace in my life. I know it's there. I don't have to ask for it. Your scripture promises it's there, it's there, it's there. I, I, I live out more, it's there. I sin more, it's there. It's abundant. It's, it, when sin increases, grace increases. It, it's, it's grace in place of grace, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. I know it's there. Why can I not live it? I cannot live it because I realize the void runs me in a wrong direction. The void helps me see what I'm not instead of what I have at my disposal. If you and I will see the voids in our life, these empty places, the places where we don't have it to to give, we don't have the strength on our own to make it, if we can see those voids as grace fillers, as opportunities to receive and live and walk in the grace of God, I'm going to guarantee you this, there's far greater victory in your life. There's a far greater story in your life of what God's up to and what he's doing that you can tell by receiving and living and applying and walking in the abundant, never-ending grace of God. What an incredible thing. Most believers never get there. You know why? Because we're still in bondage to the enemy. We're still in bondage to our past. We're still in bondage to things that we made mistakes in years ago. We're still in bondage to, to what we thought church was supposed to be. We're still in bondage to, to a bunch of things in our past to where the enemy just says, you know what, That's it. this is as good as it ever gets for you. And we believe it. We, we, we take that line, hook, line, and sinker. This is as good as it's ever going to We're going to walk in this place and find contentment in mediocrity the rest of our life, and that's never what God intended. You know why? Because grace upon grace upon grace, grace in place of grace in place of grace is offered to us daily to offer us victory in situations where the void would otherwise be a, a joy killer. But it can, it, it can bring joy back into our lives when we realize, man, when I apply God's grace to this situation and not my own past and not my own knowledge and not my own inability and not my own inadequacy, when I apply grace to the situation, God takes over. And, and he does something miraculous in me and through me in these circumstances. It's the way he intends grace to be lived. So here's an observation, though. And some of you may be here today, and I don't, I, don't, I don't say this in judgment, I just say it in truth. That if you're the kind of person that has, right, has life wrapped up in neat little boxes and to where everything's understood and managed before it can be lived, you're going to struggle with grace. You really are. If you're one of these persons that, that life is like this, and it's, 
I keep this in this box on this shelf and this. And life is all organized, and I've got to get it, and I've got to understand it, and I've got to be able to manage it all before I can apply it, before I can live it, before I can bring it into reality. If, you, if, you're, if, you're, if your faith is that organized and that regimented, you're going to struggle with grace. And here's my, here's my counsel to you. Most of the time we marry somebody that's different from us. You ever notice that? It's good. <laughs> it's by God's design that we do that. If, you've, if you're that person and you've married somebody that's not, will you listen to them? Will you listen to, the, to their counsel? That, and they've probably been telling you for years, you need to loosen up. You're wound a little tight. You need to back off a little bit. You know what? That counsel is probably wise. Because if our life is so ordered and so structured that we can never even see grace, much less how to apply it, much less how to put it into place, we'll miss some enormous things God wants, enormous things God wants us to see. Why? Because we've got to bring order to it all. And he's the one who brings order to it all, not us. And he's the one with grace of abandonment, of abundance, of never-ending supply, not us. We can't make that happen. And I'm going to tell you, you try and understand grace, that's a futile effort. I mean, I've been at this a while. It doesn't mean I'm smarter than anybody else in this room. Probably, In fact, probably <laughs> to the contrary. But I've been at this a while. And I'm going to tell you, I don't get it. I understand a lot of things spiritually, but I don't get grace. I just don't. I get how it's applied, and I'm extremely grateful for it as I stand here today, somebody that's received an enormous amount of grace in their life from God. But I don't understand it. And I don't think I ever will. And as I stand before the Lord one of these days physically face-to-face and say, can you explain grace? He'll explain it. I still won't get it. You know why? Because I don't stand here worthy of it, and you don't either. And I don't know anybody that does or ever has. That's why grace is such a, it's an unfathomable thing because it's, it's beyond man's comprehension to realize failure, defeat, loss, those are the things that grace is the remedy to. Yeah, it is. We don't get that. Our own disobedience is worthy of grace. Yeah, according to God it is. Apart from him, grace makes no sense. And if you try and get your finite human mind around the concept of grace, you'll never get it. You'll never get it organized. It'll never fit in any box you have. I'll promise you that. But as it's applied, as it's lived, as it's received, as it's, more importantly, given away, you'll start to get a glimpse of what it's about. And you'll start to revel in it and pray for it and live after it and start to resemble this thing of grace. It's a great struggle. Why is that true? This final point I want to make, and we're through. It's true because of this. Grace is both unconditional and immeasurable. You don't do anything to earn it, and it's, and it's impossible to quantify. It's, um, it, it, it can't be contained. It can't be measured. It can't be figured out. And so because grace, as I say, is unconditional and immeasurable, it's, it's hard for our finite minds to get our minds around this concept of grace. But we don't need to get our minds around it. We need to live it, receive it, apply it, give it away. Um, because we can't get our mind, I, I, I hope, hope you enjoyed some, some great uh, family time and uh, was able to thank the Lord for good food and good family and friends and things uh, a couple of days ago at Thanksgiving. I hope, though, as we kind of stirred the pot with last Sunday, one of the things that you'll take away from today is, whew, 
this this thing of grace is bigger than I ever thought about. It's, it's bigger than I ever dreamed and more than I deserved. I hope you cannot, can get beyond trying to figure it out and, and define it and put it in a box today, but can just be grateful for it. Can just say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand grace. I certainly don't deserve it, but I receive it. I want to live it and I want to model it, but that needs to come from a heart of gratitude. I don't deserve what you've given me. I don't deserve the grace poured into my life, but I'm grateful for it. And if I live a life of gratitude based on the grace God's given me, he's going to start to use that in relationship. He's going to start to use that at work. He's going to start to use that in testimony. You know why? Because that's the very thing he wants this world to see. Yes, judgment's coming from him, but not from us. What they need to see from us is grace. You know how they see him? Grace. You know how they see his love? Grace. You know how the, how the cross is revealed? Grace. From you and from me. Our world needs to see that. There's some hardened hearts in our world. The hardest heart can be softened with grace. Once they realize it, the hardest heart can be softened with grace. There's not a heart too hard that God can't soften with grace. I'm going to tell you that's true. Whether we live it, believe it, acknowledge it or not, it's true. That's why it's so important that we live it. And people see it out of our life. That's how they're going to see him, is the grace. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.